0: Hey there and welcome to Film Me Up, I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your filmic discussions, such as, should long-awaited follow-ups be books instead? So, this is coming about because Michael Mann, uh, acclaimed director and writer, um, is writing a, a novel based on Heat, the film that came out in the 90s, I think? Um... Yeah, uh, supposedly it's going to be a prequel, um, but that's not confirmed. And yeah, because it was announced a a couple of years ago, um, but since then things could have changed. Um, Apparently, it's going to come out in twenty twenty, so next year for the twenty fifth year anniversary. And uh, yeah, I just thought. Well, I mean, like he's a he's a writer. He's written like all of his films uh, except Collateral. And I thought maybe this is a a good way of kind of continuing uh, a f- story, a film, a franchise, um, when, without actually having to make a film. Um, so like, I feel like there's certain films that may have come out after a long time, like sequels or even prequels, um, that maybe would have been better just to be books instead. Cause like you could discount a book, like, People hate Indiana Jones 4. Just put it out there. Like, maybe you could have had that as a book instead and just kept the originals as a, a standalone trilogy uh, and not try to milk it for all it's worth. Independence Day Resurgence, same thing. Terminator 3, to a certain extent, because um, people love the first two. Um, and Jason Bourne. I know they did uh, the Bourne Legacy in between, uh, and, but I know that the way that they did the books, because I think it was Robert Ludlum did the first three books that the original Bourne trilogy was based on. And then everything after that was written by someone else or other people. I don't know if it's more than one people, but uh more than one people, more than one persons. Um, but yeah, but like the Jason Bourne film, the new one, newest one that had Matt Damon in it, it was fine. It was just kind of bland. Like you didn't need it. Like if you wanted to, have something like that like there's already the books there but you could just write a book um with it in for those people that are interested in that because yeah you just get a lot of these kind of lackluster sequels belated sequels belated prequels played equals um that n- nobody really wants like so like people some people want them someone out there wants them but for the vast majority i think most people would prefer if you had a new franchise that kind of scratched that itch instead rather than trying to bring back a franchise that's old and like trying to bring new life to it like it it was of its time it was work then and just do something new don't try and go back to it necessarily um yeah like i said i mean you could discount them and but another thing is that um like last week, I was talking about Mouse Guard and Deadpool uh, and how the sort of leaked footage and test footage was a sort of a way to get studios to green light like, film ideas. Maybe if you have a novel, you, you write your story as a novel instead, and then that gets a positive reaction. Maybe then that's, you could use that as an excuse to try and get a studio to green light the actual film instead. And then uh, it's a good way of trying to sort of get through a good draft and a good solid story behind it rather than just kind of piecemealing a, a sequel together because the studio thinks it'll make money. Um So, yeah. Um Whether that'll happen, I don't know. I think this is just a one-off because uh, Michael Mann is actually kind of... He's done a couple of books with Harper Collins. He's got his own sort of like mini publishing line with them um it's only the second book but it's yeah i think it's sort of a, a, a unique arrangement that they have um but yeah i'd like to see like other franchises uh do it like the ones that i said that sort of you got that weren't that great maybe there's other franchises that you could go into that could you could revisit um yeah so i i was very lucky this week, uh, or last week, depending on which way you look at it, Um, and I actually got to see Spider-Man Far From Home opening day, because it came out on a Tuesday, and uh, kind of behind the scenes, um, sort of, in Canada, the way that the cinema chain, there's a cinema chain called Cineplex, I don't know why I'm there, I'm not advertising them necessarily, but they have a deal where it's cheaper on a Tuesday, so I always try and go on a Tuesday. And luckily enough, Spider Man actually opened on a Tuesday. It's sort of why I have this—I have a conund—this conundrum because I try and record because I have a Monday's off, so I try and record the podcast on a Monday. But then I don't go and see a film until the Tuesday. So if the film comes out that weekend, I don't really want to see it before the Tuesday because it costs me twice as much. But then I don't talk about the film opening weekend, like when it's most relevant and most hype. So. a bit of a a sticky situation but for Spider-Man did not have that problem Uh, Manchester opening day and I've got to tell you it is so good it is so so good Uh, probably one of the best MCU films like don't worry this is going to be no spoilers uh, because like I've said before like these reviews are for people that are just sort of interested in in maybe going and seeing a film and like if you're going to go and see it see it and if you've got... If you want to hear someone talk about it in depth, there's other podcasts, there's other places you can listen to that. Um... And I don't really want to do, like, big reviews of stuff, so... Um... Yeah, like, just a quick... Quick sort of thing, without any spoilers. Um... Yeah, um... Something that the these Spider-Man films nail is the high school atmosphere. Um... And, and this works especially well on, like, the school trip. Like, it kind of reminds me of school when I was younger. Um... I think a big part of that is because you don't have thirty-year-olds playing high school kids, high school teenagers. They are actually, granted, they are like twenty, but they're still young, uh, and they you, like you can see them being sixteen. Um, um, yeah, and like I like I've said, like this is probably one of the strongest aspects of this version of Spider-Man. And another good thing that works from this is the relationship between mary mj and peter i was gonna say mary Jane. i think it's michelle on this between mj and peter um because it, it encapsulates that awkwardness of uh teenage romance really well um i mean it's slightly different than usual like the characterization of mj but um it still works really well and i really liked it um it also dealt well with the end game fallout uh, and the sort of i'm not going to go into spoilers for that if i can um but like sort of the fallout of that and the the tragedy that's happened in that um what it's done it references people coming back and the they call it the blip uh people coming back after the five years um and there's even like one kid in their class um that has aged five years so he's like five years older than everyone else so he looked so he is actually like looks like twenty three, when everyone else is like sixteen or whatever. So yeah, no, it's good. Um, also, the presence of Shield is really good because it makes a good contrast between Peter's life as P- Peter Parker and as a teenager, and then his life as Spider Man, and kind of the responsibility uh, of that, and that it just works so well. And it's you can see the kind of push and pull in in Peter. Like a large part of it is Peter just wanting to. Not have anything to do with superheroing for a bit and just have a holiday and just have a break, which is great. Um, but the big, big thing of this is Mysterio, um, who is absolutely great. J.J. Gyllenhaal is great in this. Um, and they, like, Mysterio is a character that I've wanted to see in Spider Man films for ages because um, I love them in the cartoons and, uh, like, in the comics, he's, he's uh, traditionally a villain with kind of illusions and special effects and all this sort of stuff like we've seen in the past that mcu doesn't necessarily stick to the comics like b for and some certain characterizations are changed slightly and like the marketing shows you that so yeah no it's it's really good he like they did everything that i would want him to like they showcased a lot of his abilities and stuff so yeah i i really liked it And that characterization it was really cool um also if you do go and see it you want to stick around for the post-credits. They are some of the best post-credit scenes I've ever seen. Um, There's a huge, huge cameo that nobody thought would happen, but everyone wanted it, but nobody was expecting it, and it was so good. It was one of the most exciting parts of the film. Um, And the second one, and like, just some reveals and some kind of, yeah, just some things that happened in those scenes are could be pivotal going forward uh for spider for the spider-man films and for the mcu as a whole uh so there's two in total but you want to you want to stick around for both of them uh the second one especially sort of ties together some some of the mcu films and it it's it helps with the world building and kind of linking everything together and it's really good um the suits look really good. Like if you've watched the trailers and or seen any marketing, like you'll see that they've got the the like black stealth suit uh, that looks really good. It's kind of Spider-Man noirish. If you've saw the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film last year or the end of last year, then you'll know what I mean. Like it's got some kind of noir elements to it. Um, and also the black, red, and black suit. The the red and black suit is also really cool. Uh kind of like the superior Spider Man suit uh in the comics. Um so yeah, no, they they like you do really well at costumes, like making them look cool. Um I think these Spider Man costumes are the best costumes we've had. Um and it's nice to see like the variety. Um it's something that they do really well, like that they they acknowledge that the suits evolve um over time. Like you look at the previous like older superhero films and they're all quite the same. Um, so yeah, no, it's really good um, if you're not sure, if you're still on the fence about this film like you can go and watch the trailers, they are pretty accurate to the film um, there are some scenes missing from the end product especially in the second trailer um, but it's they've, it's been said in interviews and stuff that they're being made into a short film um, so yeah, so that'll be on the DVD extras or it'll go up online or whatever um, after that also, they do say it in the start of the second trailer but there are there is a spoiler for Endgame in that so if you don't want to be spoiled for Endgame and you haven't watched it yet, then that's there. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend going and seeing this in the cinema. It's uh, it's your yeah, classic big action spectacle. It's very good, very well done and I love it. Um, so yeah, go see it. Um, so yeah, so this week uh I'm gonna talk about the geology um again, but like I said last time i I'm trying to i I'm aware that previous times that I've done it you, you're kind of just going over this films and you're just picking out plot holes and you're going through it beat for beat and if you haven't watched the films it's not that interesting. And if you have watched the films, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, we know that because we've seen it. Like, I'm not stupid. So what I thought I'd try and do um, and what I'm going to try and do sort of from here on in is I'm going to talk briefly about the films. Like just as an overview, like I did watch them um, and I'm just going to talk about them briefly, maybe go and like mention a few spoilers, but nothing like big. I'm not going to go into story details necessarily, but I'm going to talk about sort of the behind the scenes kind of ideas. Um sort of where they were going, sort of the franchise as a whole and stuff as well. um the idea was that it'd be kind of because last time I, I ran on a bit uh, when with bad boys and so I was hoping to try and get it shorter. but looking at my notes, I've done just as many notes as for this this time as I did last time, so we'll see we'll see how it goes. um but yeah, I mean Ghostbusters, everyone knows Ghostbusters. It's a worldwide phenomenon uh it's one of these big enduring franchises from the 80s like i it's like i was born in 92 so it's slightly before my time but like I, you so i didn't grow up with it but i'm aware i was aware of it like it was around like everyone knew about it um like i'd definitely seen them before like maybe only bits of them like i remember them being on tv like on the S- sunday afternoon quite a lot and so like in my head i remember bits but i couldn't like, people would be like, have you seen two? And I'm like, I don't know, I think it's that bit, and then there's this bit, and I, I took remember bits from both films and sort of put them together, and like, that's just one, isn't it? And they're like, no, and, but it turns out it wasn't. Um, Yeah, like I say, like, even, like, as a kid, like, even if you didn't, look like, grow up with it, like, it's hard to ignore, it's out there. Like, the car's iconic, the actor, one every, it's everywhere. Like, the outfits, like, everyone dressed, like... If you don't see a Ghostbusters Halloween costume, then people are doing something wrong. Like, those are outfits, the boiler suits, and the proton packs. The theme song is just everywhere. Like, it used to get played at school parties when I was younger. And these were all kids that were born after the films came out. So nobody, did, like, had necessarily grown up with these films. But, like, everyone loved the song. Like, everyone knew about the song. Um, Slimer... Even though like Slime is never really official, like I think he's named in the credits in one of the in two or something. He's probably named the credits in one as well. Like he's just synonymous with the franchise, and I, like you know about it, and you like you picture it, and you go, oh yeah, that's Ghostbusters. Um, but yeah, like it's but like we'll talk about the first one first. Like it's like a weird, it's strange. It's like a weird mix of like sci-fi, but also. obviously the paranormal but then there's like in the first one there's like a religious aspect to it because they're dealing with ancient god demigods and then there's the end of the world and it's like this apocalyptic thing but then there's proton pack there's a gatekeeper there's a key master it's like what is going on there's loads of things going on uh they're all kind of different it's a weird mix but it works and it's just a fun spooky adventure film um and like i'd say like watching it back there's actually some like this applies to both films like there's actually some scenes in there which if you grew up with it and you were a kid at the time i can imagine that there was some actually kind of like quite horrifying scenes um i mean they're not that effective these days but like you can because of kind of the way that like sentiment like sentiments just the way that people are now like people are more used to it Uh, these sort of things and the effects maybe aren't having a whole whole held up that's the word i'm looking for haven't held up as much uh but like it still works and like you can see that they it would have worked well at the time and would have scared people like so uh yeah also i'd say that i noticed especially in this first film like the government gets a bad rap in these films like the Environmental Protection Agency, with having a dad that's in like an env involved in environmental protection, like it's they seem villainized, and it's like obviously the guy uh, Peck was his name, I think he could have done a better job and could have talked them down a bit more. But like it's fair enough to be like, oh yeah, there's these people. And it's like, oh yeah, they're using some weird technology, weird chemicals and stuff. Like we should probably just go and check it out and just see what it's like. Like it's fair enough, but I don't know. But they're sort of villainized. Um, but yeah, speaking of the first kind of one and development and stuff, the it they all sort of came about because Dan Aykroyd was interested in sort of these paranormal stuff and stories and tales and things, and he decided to sort of make this uh, vehicle for him and John Belushi, who was at SNL at the time. Um, but unfortunately, uh, before they could get into production John Belushi died and so he was replaced by Bill Murray um, but like the first draft of this script was just way more out there, there was like time travel, there was space travel, they were like dressing in SWAT riot gear with like visors and everything and there was supposed to be like huge monsters, like the Stay of Marshmallow Man but like a, like a multitude of them and they were going to go through time and space fighting these monsters and stuff and then Howard Remus came on board and was like yeah and like the studio were like, and Ivan Reitman was like, "Mm, this is good. But like, let's, they were like looking at it going like "Mm, budget. mm, That's probably going to be huge. Let's tone it down a bit. And they thought, well, maybe if you like the contrast between having it in just a regular New York, in just regular New York, uh, Manhattan area and the sort of larger than life weirdness going on that, that makes it quite interesting and quite, it makes it an entertaining time. Um, also, there was supposed to be an extended... See, obviously, Dan Aykroyd has written it. Dan Aykroyd wrote the first uh, draft of this script. And there was supposed to be an extended love interest side plot that was scrapped between Dan Aykroyd's character and a female ghost. And there's like there's a leftover little bit of that in the dream sequence where um, there's... Like, It seems like there's some sexual act happening, but there was supposed to be more involved. There was supposed to be like, I don't know whether you'd get a full on sex scene, but there was talk of it and it's just a bit weird. But yeah, but that's the first one. Um, It did obviously did really well uh, on it. The budget's about 25, 30 million. Um, and he made 295 million at the box office, so obviously made profit, like about I don't know what, like 230 ish pounds, million pounds, million dollars even. Um, and it's universally acclaimed, like it's 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.8 on IMDb. So like, yeah, critics loved it, people loved it, and so the studio were like, let's do a second one, let's let's go with it, let's do it. But Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd didn't really, because they wrote, they rewrote the script and stuff, and they they're kind of like the creatives behind it, and they didn't really want to do it. Um, funnily enough, but they did. Um, and this second one, it picks up five five years after the original, um, which is the same timeline in real life as well. There's five years in between films, and the Ghostbusters are no longer working. Uh, people, for some reason, people don't know, no longer believe in ghosts. Like it's like I don't know. It's weird. Like it seems like you get an epidemic in these films. It's strange because like they're not successful. But then when they are successful, there's suddenly an epidemic of ghosts, and then they're really busy. And then people are like, "Oh yeah, well, no, we don't believe in ghosts anymore. So there there isn't ghosts around anymore." I don't know. It's strange. Um, but yeah, um, and then there's a large part of this is that there's like, it, that's sort of typified in there's a government court case where the Ghostbusters decide are digging up a road um, to kind of investigate something under the ground. Um, but then all everything that they say, everything is just dismissed as nonsense. Like, they're all like, oh, we don't believe in ghosts and stuff. But then, like, did you not remember five years ago? There was, like, the huge Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. There was ghosts everywhere. Like, what? how do you not remember that? Like but anyway um this film like i said like it the last one was ancient gods and kind of end of the world stuff this one goes medieval instead you've got a 16th century tyrant uh who talks about a season of evil um so yeah and something i forgot to mention in the first one they kind of these films are good at sort of encapsulating that typical new york spirit uh so yeah and they like everyone comes together at the end like in the second one they have it like a large part of it where everyone's like oh we're new york and nobody likes each other and all this stuff but then like at the end they're always like oh yeah the ghostbusters yeah i will love you and like everyone comes together and cheers them on and it's like they do that in the first one as well and it's just really good at kind of bringing good vibes and stuff um like, they, they have, in this, this second one, they have a, they make, they have this slime, and they have some feel-good slime all over the Statue of Liberty, and it starts walking and stuff, and, like, it just, it's just typical, like, every, get everyone out on the street, let's just have a good time. Um, so, yeah, um, but, yeah, the second one, it's kind of a bit samey, in a way, because it's like if you look at it sort of like plot wise it's very much the same that there's all that in both films they have a part where the government like don't like don't believe in ghosts or don't agree with what they're doing and they're just like what what is going on like you just this is nonsense and then they lock them up and then everything goes tits up and they're like oh no we need the ghostbusters let's get them back again and it's like we're just doing the same thing again Like, it's just a different villain. And, like, because it's a sequel, they're like, oh, we need to go bigger. And so they get, like, this season of evil, and they have slime everywhere, and everything turns evil. And, like, the Titanic rocks up, which is like, what? That's crazy. Uh, And then there's, like, ghosts everywhere. There's a fur coat that comes back to life. I don't know how that works, but sure. And it's just crazy. I mean, like, it's sort of, like, you, you understand that, like, the creatives behind it didn't really want to make a sequel. And you can sort of see that because they almost like rehashed the first one a little bit. Um and so because of that, it sort of not turned out as good. Um because there isn't really anything new. Um like they it's a similar budget, like thirty seven million. Um but it made a bit less, two hundred and fifteen million at the box office. Um but also people didn't like it as much. It only made you only got fifty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and it's got 6.5 and IMDB. So like critics were a bit more kind of, obviously could see that it was more kind of the same stuff again, but audiences generally, uh, quite liked it and just had a good time with it. Um, but yeah, funnily enough, after the second one and Remus and Aykroyd not really wanting to make a second one, they did actually want to make a third one, um, like the first they came was there's a script that people are aware of, which is uh, Ghostbusters Three Hellbent, where they go to manhelton which is like an old ver- alternate version of Manhattan, uh, it was set like I don't know, like a hellish version, I guess. Um, and so they kept working on that, and like there was it's been in development how it was in development hell for years, all the way up until like 2008, um, and then the studio and everyone was like, oh, let's. This isn't going anywhere. Let's just write a new. Get someone in to write a new script. Um, elements of the Hellbent script actually uh, came into play in the 2009 video game, um, like that. Like lots of people sort of see that as the third film because it has elements of this script, but it also has, like all the voices and likenesses of the original characters. Um, so if you wanted a sort of spiritual third film for that original series that's it basically um and funnily enough i think it's getting a remaster this year so if you want it to you could play it on current consoles this year but um yeah um but yeah after that in 2008 a new script was being worked on um bill murray was very adamant that he didn't want to be part of it um the only way he was like i'll be part of it as long as i die early on it's very much like harrison ford hand solo like i don't want to be a part of a new star wars film unless i die um but unfortunately before that went into production uh howard remus actually died in real life um and kind of after that um i think there was a lot of problems around that anyway but i think this sort of just was sort of the the final nail in the coffin and that sort of just fell through after that um until later that year they uh Sony, I think it's Sony, uh decided to uh go forward with a reboot, uh and the all female reboot, uh directed by Paul Feig. Feig? Feig? Feig. Uh but I think the thing that he like, Paul Feig was actually asked uh there was a number of directors asked to like be involved with the script that was being developed in 2008 but uh Paul Feig was kind of adamant that he didn't want to be a part of that um because he didn't want to have to adhere to an original continuity and he wanted to kind of just do a reboot um which I feel is a bit of a cop-out if you're going to be involved in a franchise you've got to adhere to a continuity in a canon so um yeah and I feel that's one part of where then that reboot went wrong um because they were just like clean cut whereas they should have done a soft reboot, really. Um, but this was 2014, 2015. and that's a big time in Hollywood for shared universes. Um, everybody wanted to be a part of it because the MCU had had the Avengers and like blown up, um, and so Sony decided, yeah, let's do uh, let's do so shared universe, uh, and so Ghost Core was created, um, and this the reboot. Um, there was actually officially called ghostbusters answer the call. So that it was different to the original. Um, that was the first one in this ghost core chaired universe. And there was supposed to be two more films in that franchise, or there was two more in development. There was going to be an all male film, um, that didn't get very far. Um, it was going to have Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum in it. And it was going to be directed by the Russo brothers, apparently, which I guess would have been quite good actually. Um, But uh, there was also supposed to be an animated film told from this perspective of the ghosts, uh, which would be kind of interesting, I guess. Um, But then Ghostbusters Answer the Call came out and everyone kind of didn't like it and it flopped and so everything went quiet, which I guess is fair enough. I mean, Ivan Reitman's sort of like been quite vocal about it. I think he just loves this franchise um, because he's been like, oh yeah, well, we can make a sequel to it. Like everything still works. Everything's like, don't count anything out. Um, like, the animated film is still in development. Um, and so, like, most recently, um, there's the, an, a sort of the actual third film um, in the original canon is being made. Uh, it's being directed by Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two uh, Ghostbusters films. Um, so it's supposed to come out July 2020, so next year. Um all living cast are back potentially. So Bill Murray, uh, Sigourney Weaver, um Dan Aykroyd, uh Ernie Hudson. Um obviously Harold Ramis can't be back. Um but yeah, um Paul Rudd's recently been announced that he's in it. Um which is good stuff. Always always love me some Rudd in something. Um also he's gonna have um some teenage actors in the in the mix and there's supposedly gonna be a passing of their torch in play uh Skorne weaver has had her character's son who was a baby in ghostbusters 2 uh he's going to be grown up in this film and he's going to be one of the members the newer members of the ghostbusters so yeah it'll be interesting to see where they go with it it's kind of probably what they should have done with the reboot kind of like the passing of the torch like it's going to be original continuity we're trying to breathe in this new team sort of like what force awakens did they tried to like they mix the old Star Wars with the newer Star Wars and the newer characters and try to feed people in that way. Um, Well, yeah. Um, But obviously Ghostbusters is is not just the films. It's this huge juggernaut of a franchise. There was a lot of video games around the time the films in the eighties and nineties. There was obviously the 2009 film and a bunch of mobile games and stuff since then. But also uh, they made some cartoons. There was one made around the time of the original films, the real Ghostbusters. Um, they couldn't just name it the Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters because there was actually already a cartoon called Ghostbusters. Um, but uh, but yeah, but so they managed to make that and that was pretty successful and they actually developed a spin-off which came out in the late 90s which had... Um, like a younger team sort of did sort of what the new film was going to do. And sort of had, I think it had like, uh, Harold Ramis voice in Egon, uh, seeding in, uh, like a new, new team. And like, I remember vaguely sort of watching elements of this cartoon, uh, and bits of this cartoon. Um, cause I kind of, that was when I grew up, that was the sort of era, uh, when I was into cartoons, sort of the late nineties, early noughties. um, and funny thing that I... Found, oh, yeah, this was called Extreme Ghostbusters, by the way. Um, and funny thing that I found out while researching this, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro actually voiced a character in this. That's right, Carlton from the uh, Fresh Prince actually voiced a character in this, which is crazy. Get that going, more stuff. Um, there was supposed to be a new cartoon come out in 2018. They announced it in 2016. But I don't know whether... That was supposed to be called Ecto Force. Um, well, that's been put on the back burner because they're prioritizing the animated film. Whether that's going to come out, I don't know. I've just written in my notes, that's going well. So, who knows what's going to happen going forward. Obviously, you've got the new film coming out next year. If that's successful, they'll probably put more funding into the animated film. Um, the, obviously, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was one of Sony uh, Sony's first animated films. I think, um, like as a independent studio, so maybe they'll that the success of that, and if next year's Ghostbusters is successful, they'll sort of prioritize this animated film more, and maybe they'll try and get the cartoon up and running, Um, and maybe you know, uh, you never know. Like like I say, Avon Reitman's all about continuing um, the franchise in all of its different fashions and aspects. Um, and so like they, like, you keep talking about, like, Paul Floyd's kind of written off a sequel to the reboot, but, like, Ivan Reitman hasn't, and so, like, I think, he, I think there was a quote that he's had where he said the, part of the reason, because he's kind of quite heavily involved in the new production of the new film, obviously, because his son's directing it, um, but, um, and, He said that part of the reason why he felt that he's been able to have teenagers sort of take over and especially female characters in there going to be part of the new Ghostbusters team is because of Paul Feig's film and the all-female cast. And it sort of opened up the world to have Ghostbusters not just be adult males. So, yeah, um, I'm all for it. Um, I'd like to see um, what they do with the new one. Um, I like to see where they go with sort of special effects because um, I think the special effects and the reboot weren't great, really. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see where he goes. Um, I'll be interested to see what it's like. But uh, yeah, until then, let's move on to our lighter for this week. Uh, just to just to start start the fire of a conversation going uh, with whoever you talk to. Um, and speaking of starting a well i was going to say speaking of franchises scrapping reboots it's not really scrapping this ghostbusters new ghostbusters isn't really scrapping the reboot but but what other franchise would benefit from scrapping the reboot so last year we had halloween that did it they sort of started uh the franchise almost again because they went back to it's now just you've now got halloween and halloween 2 two but that's also just called halloween so in the continuity now you've just got halloween and then halloween and then the new one that they're probably working on which hopefully won't be called halloween 2 because then it will be halloween 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 2 which makes no sense but anyway um which is what I think but that's just an example of some like an effective uh reboot where they kind of just wipe this slate clean, but kind of carry on with the original series that works well and just scrap all this complicated continuity and canon that doesn't make any sense. Um, Terminator series has tried to do that for like the past three films, um, like four and five. four, um, tried to kind of build on the judgment day stuff. And then five just tried to scrap everything before, uh, from three onwards I think and then six looks to be going back and doing the same thing um so yeah I mean they're not great at doing it but I guess they're giving it a go and like if they actually get one right then you can just go clean slate one two and then whatever the film and then 16 when they actually get it right um something that I'd love to see uh is I know this isn't gonna happen and it's not gonna work continuity wise Um, But I'd love to see a Dark Knight Returns style film with Tim Burton's Batman, with Michael Keaton coming back, because just an old grizzled Batman, especially Michael Keaton now, as that, just, yes, just give it to me. Just put it in me. It's so good. Um, I mean, they tried to do aspects of Dark Knight Returns with an old grizzled Batman in BVS, but that went... That just went. Uh, So... And, like, obviously, like, the Batman continuity and everything is so complicated as it is. Like, they're not going to touch that. But I'd like to see it. Even if they just made, like, a, a standalone uh, directed DVD something or other. Um, that'd be nice to see. Um Also, Spider-Man 4. I talked about the Raimi trilogy last week. I'd love to see a Spider-Man 4 because there was all sorts of stuff. Uh, obviously... I don't know how you'd do that now because of the MCU and, like, the new Spider-Man films, I'd argue, are probably better than the Raimi films. Don't at me. But um, I'd love to see a, a Spider-Man 4 in the Raimi series because the way that they were going with that sounded really good. There was going to be... There was talks of the lizard. There was talks of Vulture, Black Cat or vulture with, like, Anne Hathaway and uh, John Malkovich was going to be in there. Like, it just sounded really good. There was talks of Mysterio with Bruce Campbell's characters being, like, different kind of acts for him as Mysterio, which sounds sounded great. Like, the the internet went crazy last week or the other week because Marvel teased this sort of, like, four in a web, which everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be Spider-Man 4, and they were they thought it was going to be, like, a comic version of it, which I think is a perfect way of doing it, really. Um... Or an animated film was probably another really good way of doing it. But um, it turns out it was just a countdown to a J.J. Abrams comic, which everyone's like, oh, okay, sure, fine. Um, but just make this Sam Raimi film. I think it'd be good. Like like I say, just have an animated film or just do a comic or something. Like people, It sounded really cool and people wanted to see it, so just do it. Uh, another one I'd love to see is Hellboy 3. Um, let's just let Guillermo del Toro finish his trilogy. It's all he wanted. He just wanted to do one more um like they'd sell like he wanted a big budget but just let him have it like oh, these i think it's bet like obviously it's gonna lose it's gonna lose money but like and so it doesn't make sense from like a business sense but like i don't know just come to some sort of agreement i think really i know it's not that easy but sure uh, like there was a bunch of plot threads left hanging after hellboy 2 the golden army there was like a hellboy baby i think they were gonna have a baby so, yeah, just do that one. Like, I quite like the the new one, but you could easily just get rid of it. Like, hardly anybody saw it, hardly anyone cares about it. Just, they probably should have just made a third one. It would have made more money than this one, I reckon. So, yeah. Um Also, The Mummy. Uh, so, the Brennan Fraser, The Mummy. Uh, not Tom Cruise, The Mummy. Uh, because... The third film in that franchise isn't great. They go to do the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor and they go different. But like, so it's not that great, but like it's better than the new one really. And I think those sort of films and those like universal monster creature films sort of things, I feel that they work best in like the sort of 1920s, 1930s era. Um, And I think a good way that you could go, you just go back into that the mummy world and just explore the wider dark universe like more dark universes they were trying to call it like and just take that as a starting point there's your mummy let's make a wolfman film like based in that sort of setting let's make a frankenstein's thing around that let's make a dracula film with those sort of like adventury 1920s 30s kind of feel to him slight horror aspects to him like yeah be a good time um but yeah if you have any others uh let me know let your friends know uh let yourself know um so yeah next week uh we're going to be talking another time we're going to go into another timeline um again um we're going to look at what if Sylvester Stallone led the Fast and Furious franchise and Vin Diesel led the Expendables franchise because i think there's some There's some interesting things about that, which I'll talk about next week. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, Like I say, if you want to get in touch uh, or follow me anywhere, then uh, you can do on Twitter at AllOutWalker. Also on Facebook at facebook.com slash fillmeuppod. And last but not least, uh, you can email me at fillmeuppod at outlook.com. But most of all, uh, take care of yourself uh and just have fun discussing things with other people because uh, that's what it's all about uh yeah thanks very much for listening once again and i will see you next week bye